This is a podcast from thebuglepodcast.com. The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and... Well, the happiest of all available Christmases to you, uh, unless, like John and I, you are godless infidel. <laughs> um, welcome to this supplementary uh, Bugle 217 sub-episode, uh, Aleph. Uh, I'm Andy Zoltz, and we're in my kitchen here in London, and with me, not only in the same continent, the same country, the same city, but actually in the same room here in my kitchen, it's none other than John Oliver, star of the Bugle podcast. <laughs> Hello, Andy. Hello, Buglers. What a kitchen, Andy. Yeah. Strong coming. There's a lot of magic being is, uh, cooked up. Is it true that the Rolling Stones recorded Exile on Main Street in this kitchen? Well, not literally, but, you know, <laughs> had they recorded it in a kitchen they would probably have recorded it in one almost identical to this. I might have been confused by the fact that you have played the album Exile on Main Street in this kitchen. Yeah. So I did hear it played on, in here. On the kazoo. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the way they designed it. Yeah. To be heard. That's pretty much... Uh, well, happy Christmas, Andy. Thanks, John. Um, that means a lot coming The birth of the man who, of course, as a Jew, you would like to go on to murder. Yeah. Well, murder or... Successfully prosecuted. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a legal yin and yang, isn't it? It sure is. Yeah, it sure is. Um, I mean, it's, it's it's you know it's a time of year for reflection, not recrimination, John. And of course, Father Christmas owned by no religion, unless no, unless you count, I guess, the image supplied by Coca Cola yeah. as a religion. Yeah, he's it's the universal religion of. Children wanting presents. So that's, that transcends wanting, faith. <laughs> wanting, nay, demanding presents. <laughs> well, whatever it takes for you yep. to get me a f***ing bite. <laughs> What's on your Christmas list this year, John? I don't really have a Christmas list, no, Andy. Just Smurfs 2 being a big hit. Smurfs 2, well, I mean, that's out of my control, <laughs> Andy. So really? I, can, listen, I, I just did... I just, actually did, I haven't even shown you, Andy. The trailer is out. Oh, really? Smurfs 2 trailer is out. Right. Have you recorded it? Your bit already. I, I didn't realise that I had. Right. I, did, I You know, we went in to record it. Vanity Smurf appears in the trailer, Andy. Right. That is sensational news. Well... Don't say that until you've seen it. Yeah. No, I'm saying the news is sensational. <laughs> yeah. I still haven't seen the first one. You, well, you probably should. Yeah. Before you see the second one. Right. Because it's uh, not going to make structural sense without. I don't know, Andy, because as I pointed out to you, I haven't seen the first <laughs> one. <laughs> so the script for the second right. one didn't make a lot of sense to me. Really? But, yeah. I think I'm storing them up to watch it all in one go. Yeah. Well, I mean, how, well, if you don't know what the plot is, how can you really get deep into the characterisation? I think of it helps. Stuff? I think it helps the character of Vanity, who's always yeah. seemed socially dislocated, to not be fully aware of who is around him or where he's going right. at all times. I think it's helpful. Well, for I him. guess I mean that's the nature of Vanity, isn't it? It's, yes. Uh, I guess you're expressing that in a. It's entirely self-absorbed yeah. and uninterested in the other, and yeah. that's what you'll see. Or yeah. here, yeah. when uh, when you see One Smurfs two Smurf in theatres, summer two thousand uh, and next year. Yeah, I guess I'm more likely to see it on an aeroplane in some kind of hostage <laughs> situation. 
thing is, the thing is, most great actors, Andy, yeah. don't know what is going on around them at any yeah. point. Well, that's I mean, that's mostly because they're absolutely hammered. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Oliver, that was actually when you're Richard Burns, yeah, Oliver Reed. Yeah, that's definitely true. <laughs> but uh, apparently, um, Daniel Day Lewis, uh, when he was recording Last of the Mohicans, uh, thought he was in a cartoon. Really? Yep. Thought he was in a Pixar cartoon yeah. about uh, racing horses. Was he not? Apparently not. Apparently, apparently. it was uh, about Native Americans running around. I've misinterpreted that film big time. <laughs> big time. <laughs> so I hope you're having a good uh, Christmas, Buglers. Yeah, yeah. I hope it's um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, John, uh, coming back back to London yes. now as as a foreigner. Right. I mean, what what? How do you see our great city? Well, now that you're an outsider. I mean, in almost caricature format, it has been raining non-stop yeah. since I got here, <laughs> and now half the country's flooded. Right. You bring extreme weather with you because last time you came, we got last time snowed out in Germany. I got snowed into Germany, yeah. and this time there are people canoeing out of their garages. <laughs> so, yeah, there is fucking hint, mate. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to feel entirely welcome when you know there is a borderline monsoon yeah. <laughs> greeting your every move. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to explain to my wife that Britain is actually. And a pleasant place to live yeah. as you know the two times she's been here That's there right. has been a historic ice storm and yeah. now basically flood conditions well clearly it wasn't pleasant enough for you not to jump ship at the first available opportunity did I jump off that ship Andy or was I pushed <laughs> <laughs> I don't know we'll have to ask uh, whoever was decommissioning comedy at Radio 4 at the time <laughs> So, uh, I mean, the exciting news, Buglers, uh, is that we, we've made a decision on the uh, yes. Bugle logo. Thank you all who sent in uh, entries. There have been some tremendous entries, and we're hoping uh, we'll be in touch with some of you who sent them in to, to see if you'd be interested in, uh, um, in your images being used for the future Bugle merchandising machine. But yeah, there were some truly, truly yeah. remarkable ones, and a couple that were borderline psychotic. <laughs> yes. One which seemed threatening. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And one which was unquestionably just a penis. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not. I'm neither of us are marketing experts. No, but I think that would could have been a hard sell. In yeah, the, in the teen market. Yeah, so, I'm afraid that just made it to the maybe pile. Yeah. But the winner is a, a guy called Benjamin Smith, who uh, so a very <laughs> excellent design that we will uh, put up on the the website and. Uh, so the, so the exciting uh, additional news to this is that once this is uh, finalised, uh, Bugle merchandise will yep. be will be out within weeks. Within weeks, there'll be yeah. mugs just in time for missing Christmas by yeah. <laughs> a month or so. Right, just in time, you know, for when, as you said, John, people are you know really tightening their belts yeah. and. Uh, the time of the year that people have the least disposable Least income. disposable cash. I mean, that's really what the Bugle's always been about. It's always it's about timing things... Commercial you know, machine. ...to the least perfect yeah. degree. Just... I mean, we're hot off... You know, it's only a year and a bit since we got ditched by the Times, and we've actually yeah. raced into this <laughs> exploitation <laughs> of the Bugle market. In a mere 18 months, we have <laughs> tried to do something to make this a financially viable escapade. That's right. So... Uh, <laughs> 
I mean, because you've got to have a cover, but if the Smurfs hits the skids. I mean, yeah, because it'll be a big problem. Because it's hard to see that as not being my fault if a film goes from making half a billion dollars (laughs) to any less than that. (laughs) So, uh, thank you, Benjamin Smith, your excellence. I thank you all of you who who sent them in, um, particularly those uh, who sent in good ones. Yeah. (laughs) Most of them were good. Most of them, yeah. Excellent. It was quite a hard decision. Yeah. We had a long selection meeting. There were some very disappointed designs that left Mm -hmm. the room in tears. I shouldn't be disappointed at being uh, overlooked. But we uh, we hope all you buglers like... Benjamin's design for the uh, for the bugle logo. Mm-hmm. So well done! It's it's a great it's one of the great moments in the history of uh, history of branding. Yeah, and which, so, this history both of us are fascinated by it. Which always have been. <laughs> always have been. Yeah. yeah, I definitely see the point of yeah. it, and I value it as yeah. a skill. You're all about the logos, you John. Always have been, yeah. Andy, and always will be. When anyone who's uh, you know knows. Is familiar with our own personal websites? We'll know that uh, you know we're all about getting ourselves out there. I'm not entirely sure that I have one. <laughs> I think you did. Do I, I did, you I? did a couple of years ago. I okay. certainly did a couple of years ago okay. because I set it up and then haven't touched it since. Yeah, I can't. So, I can't. Your Twitter those. account's going well, isn't it? <laughs> I, I believe so. Yeah. I've not really. I don't think I've tweeted since the election. Yeah, I think I've sent about five tweets. Yeah, that's not bad going. No, is I mean, it? That's nice. It's all right. I mean, it's. It's more than uh, more than Franklin Roosevelt ever sent. Exactly. Yeah. Five more than quite a major president in American history, so that puts yeah. me ahead of him. Yeah. Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. Yeah. Couldn't tweet from the moon. Didn't tweet he? about it, did he? No. Couldn't. C- couldn't or wouldn't. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's been nice. We played football. Yeah, yeah, terrific, yeah. I thought you'd uh, lost a yard of pace, to be honest, mate. Well, if I was, if I was rating you out of ten, I'd give you three. three. Only because I'm sitting in front of you, although I'd give you two. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, it wasn't my best game. It wasn't, it was very bad. But I did I did set you up for a goal, and I put another one on a plate that you absolutely spanned. So. That's what I bring to the game, I make yeah. chances. Mm. Yeah. I'm a facilitator. But I left my hat there. That's a real disappointment. Oh, you did? Yeah. Well, that's a shame. It's a disaster. You lost a hat. I mean, this is the worst time of year to lose a hat. What? Christmas. It, you know, yeah. It's supposed to be a happy time of year. Yeah, and you're not thinking it's about... It's a pall over everything. <laughs> Just... Yeah. It's a disaster. I'm sorry that your children are going to have to suffer a meagre Christmas because no, their dad lost, lost his hat. Cost me £7 that hat. <laughs> Been through so open, much together. Are you going to open every present from the saying, is this daddy's hat yeah. that he lost that he wants? Oh, no, it's not. It's a handmade card about how much you love yeah. me. Can I wear that <laughs> on my head? No, I can't. Thus, it is useless. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, you know, Christmas is about learning as mm. much as uh, opening presents that you'll never play with. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a valuable lesson. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think at this point, uh, in this special festive bugle... Jingle, jingle. Jingle, jingle. Jingle, jingle. Jingle, jingle. jingle, jingle. Ho, 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 ho. Yep. Seasons, ho, 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 seasons ho, ho. greetings. Ding, uh, dong, <laughs> ding, dong. We're going to play you uh, some of the highlights of uh, 2012 on the bugle, our first year of uh, independence. Yeah. Freedom! It's been, uh, it's been a fun year on the bugle. It has so, been a fun year. There's been some japes. There's been some, been some japes and puns. Yeah. Yes. Been quite a lot of singing. Yeah. And some good new words. Catastrophe, John, yeah. was a particular high point for me. Salembrio. Salembrio. Majestical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doing some good words. Well, that's, word yeah. by word, we are rewriting the English language <laughs> until 
No person in the English-speaking world can communicate seriously. <laughs> it's good to have an ambition in life, John. That's good. So, my 2013 bring many more. Yeah. New words, but uh, here we are. And we'll have some more next week, some more uh, best of 2012 on the bugle to see you through another year closer to the eventual annihilation <laughs> of the it, planet <laughs> and the merciful embrace of nothingness. Happy Christmas! Ding dong, ding <laughs> dong, jingle jingle, buglers. Andy. Hello. Hello, Buglers. I was in Atlanta last weekend, Andy. Uh, I'd like to say a quick hello to all the Buglers who came to see me. And I'd, I'd like to say a particular hello to Richard and Jim, Andy, who brought along a box for me that said three words on the front that have meant so much to the Bugle over the years and have been the building blocks, indeed, of an entire nation. Those three words were Belgian waffle maker. <laughs> That's right. They brought me a Belgian waffle maker, Andy. The card read as follows. Dear John, Andy and Chris, in order of enjoying these Belgian waffles. My roommate and I just wanted to wish you the best of luck and put our support behind you guys in any way we could. Being from Florida, the only way we knew how was the ancient Florida's tradition of gifting a Belgian waffle maker. <laughs> that tradition first observed by European explorer Ponce de Leon. Legend has it that he encountered the Calusa Indians in the western portion of Florida. The Calusa presented to Mr. de Leon a primitive waffle Make on a collection of Tintin comics, which the Spaniards, in their close minded way, took as a threat and fled. It was not until later that they realised the Indians had meant no harm, but by then it was too late as the Calusa had been seriously offended by the Spaniards' lack of manners. This eventually led to Ponce de Leon's death when a Calusa Indian arrow accidentally mortally wounded him. Anyway, please enjoy the waffles. Maybe you can hold a bake sale to save the bugle, Richard and Jim. Come on, Andy. That is some high end bullshit generosity with a side helping of bullshit. Reasoning behind it, uh, Andy. You're actually coming here next week. Yeah. We'll be doing the bugle together next Friday. I'm going to whip you up a waffle, Andy. <laughs> we'll eat like a couple of Belgians. Awesome. Have the, you tried? Only... Have you made any waffles yet? No, not yet. No, right. not yet, Andy. I'm yeah. waiting till you come here. All right. The only side note to this story is yeah. that when I got to the airport, the driver said, "Oh, what have you got in there?" And I said, "Why, well, it's a waffle maker that someone from the gig had given me." And he said. Have you actually checked what's in the box? <laughs> <laughs> I said no, and he said, it isn't a knife or a gun or some heroin, is it? <laughs> and I laughed, and then I thought, actually, I don't know. <laughs> and let me tell you, as that box went through the scanner, Andy, and I looked at the TSA agent screen, I've never wanted to see the outline of a Belgian waffle maker more. <laughs> story this week, Wikipedia goes on strike. What do we want? Uh, let me just check. Let me just look that up. <laughs> oh, shit, I forgot Wikipedia's gone down. Uh, I, I think it has something to do with the internet. When do we want it? I don't know. Let me uh, let me just check. <laughs> oh, for f- sake. I think it was Sue, but I'm not sure. Shit! <laughs> Presidential campaign update now. And sadly, we must all bid a fond farewell to the Rick Perry presidential <laughs> campaign. Rarely has a candidate flamed out so spectacularly (laughs) after coming in so strong. He truly looked more comfortable in a cowboy hat than out of one, which is a great quality in a cowboy and a slightly frightening one in a potential president. He certainly looked more comfortable in a cowboy hat than in a televised debate, uh, for example. (laughs) And he has uh, withdrawn from the nominations race 
perhaps, I mean, let's let's try and be generous here, perhaps because he realised that the whole process is a massive waste of time and money, a travesty of democracy and, and an insult <laughs> to the intelligence of all Americans, uh-huh. but also because things hadn't really been going too well for him since he forgot his own policies in the TV debate. <laughs> Perry said uh, yesterday, uh, I'm pulling out of the race and I would like instead to endorse... Um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, no, no, uh, no, you know the guy with the suspicious-looking hair. Uh, it doesn't look real, does it? Ah, uh, no, it's, it's on the tip of my tongue. You know the chap who always does the funny, funny Mexican accent in the green room before debates, <laughs> can bench three fifty, and has the extre- increasingly stroppy collection of ex-wives. Ah, uh, no, 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 it's gone. Anyway, I'm supporting him. It it does seem more and more likely that the Republicans are going to get the candidate that almost none of them want, Mitt Romney. <laughs> And as you say, in a final desperate attempt to not have him, Rick Perry endorsed Newt Gingrich, who may have the only chance of beating Romney, despite the fact that Newt Gingrich has a lifetime of inexplicably successful horn doggery <laughs> that keeps coming back to bite him. Let me take you on a little stroll through his strangely high profile sexual history. Uh, <laughs> Gingrich met his first wife at high school when she was one of his teachers, so even at that age he was living out the plot of a bad porn film. Uh, He left her while she was getting treatment for cancer to be with his second wife, who he later left when she had multiple sclerosis, to be with his third wife, who could hardly complain if the cycle continued one day. It's not clear exactly how he does this, and his only response to this history seems to basically be... Players gone play. <laughs> Players gone play, people. The only solution to this sequence of events is that power must be an intense aphrodisiac. Because the only other answer is that Newt Gingrich has a 14-inch penis. <laughs> and I cannot believe in a god that would let something like that happen in the world. And the Florida primary took place on Tuesday, and although Florida has a history of awkwardly close elections, there was absolutely no doubt about the winner this time. It was the Storm and Mormon, Andy. (laughs) Willard Mitt Romney. The race had been close up to a week ago, but the only real debate afterwards was about how you would describe the crushing victory that he delivered. I heard the result variously referred to on TV as a thumping, a roasting, a Dresden bombing. That was a direct quote. And CNN alone used the word shellacking five times. And they were right to wear out their thesauruses, Andy, because it was a thrashing, a pasting, a pounding, a spanking, a flogging. It was basically a dominatrix's entire service menu. What I'm saying is Mitt Romney dripped hot wax onto Newt Gingrich's balls. In fact, in fact, Andy, words alone do not get across the scale of this defeat. Images might demonstrate it better. You may have seen the very popular YouTube video of a little girl at a zoo waving at a lion as the lion mauled the glass in front of her. Well, imagine if that glass wasn't there. <laughs> that little girl is Newt Gingrich's campaign. Newt Gingrich's campaign is now a dead little girl inside a lion. Does that help? What I'm trying to say is Mitt Romney won Florida by 15 points. <laughs> and uh, he seems to have cut loose as a result. We started saying some pretty exciting things, including, I'm not concerned about the very poor. Yes. Uh, which is a wonderful thing for a politician. So I guess, you know, from his point of view, they don't vote much, they don't pay much, and he's not allowed to shoot them anymore. So um, mm. you can understand <laughs> that he's just not that fussed about them. They don't really impinge on his personal space. So it seems that America has looked a gift horse in the mouth 
with Rick Santorum and turned him away, probably because they weren't sure if he was actually a gift horse or one of the four horses of the apocalypse. <laughs> uh, Mitt Romney, as you say, looks like he's all but tied up the Republican nomination and that Republicans are going to have to do what women sometimes tell themselves they have to do and just settle. Just <laughs> settle. Sure, he may not be perfect. He may not be who you dreamed of ending up with. He's not Mr. Right. But look, it's time to just suck it up and settle down. You could do a lot worse, right? Maybe. Sure. Besides, as long as your skin doesn't crawl when you see him, you're doing the right thing. Hold on, what's that crawling feeling? Oh, boy. (laughs) And as you say, the only candidates left now are Ron Paul and Newt Gingrich. And Newt Gingrich is still in the race, either because he feels he can get as far as a brokered convention, or, as is much more likely, because he needs money, because his campaign is in a a lot of debt. The the Gingrich campaign recently bounced a $500 check for the filing fee for the June the 26th Utah primary. That's a bad sign, Andy. That's very bad. And apparently his campaign is around $4.5 million in debt. Having said that, could Gingrich not argue that what is more American than being in a massive amount of debt? Does that not make him more quintessentially American than any of the other candidates? Having the moral high ground in American politics, I guess, is like climbing the tallest mountain in Holland. (laughs) (laughs) You're still essentially pretty much below sea level. But uh, Romney does now have a clear run in to tackle the reigning uh, US presidential election champion, Barack Obama, or as many Republicans still think of him, Mohammed Kiptanui. But the major concern for Romney, the Massachusetts Machiavelli himself, and uh, for his supporters, must be that their man, having power spewed so much vitriol in overcoming Santorum, might actually have vitrioled himself out by the time he even tries to chunder more vitriol all over President Obama, who, of course, has his own lavish vitriol spewing machine at the ready uh, for the battles ahead. It does raise the somewhat disturbing question for all democracies, though. Has top-level democracy now become the preserve only of those who have access to massive reserves of vitriol? What chance now for candidates who just want to debate the issues but are power-hosed into oblivion by candidates with seemingly inexhaustible supplies of their own personal and big corporate vitriol resources? Isn't democracy fun? We fought world wars for it. People have laid down their lives and freedoms for it. It has been held up as a beacon of hope for the oppressed and the disenfranchised. All with the distant expectation that one day a multi-millionaire vulture capitalist would have the rights, the freedom and the inclination to spend millions and millions of dollars on advertisements savagely lampooning someone who essentially thinks exactly the same as him. (laughs) George Washington must be spinning in his grave, John, and spinning so fast that he will probably soon power drill his way out of it and find himself (laughs) zooming around over America in a low orbit shouting, No, you f***ing numbskulls! It wasn't (laughs) supposed to be like this! Grrr! Georgie cross lion Georgie wants zebra Sorry I'm getting off point The point is Is this what you did at the zoo in the weekend? Sorry I I have been to the zoo Yeah Oh, Andy, you've been personifying animals for too long this week. (laughs) Uh, 200 years to the day, John, as we record, since Spencer Percival became the first 
and to date only British Prime Minister to be assassinated. That is, uh, if you oh. exclude Harold Macmillan, who was assassinated by natural causes in his sleep at the age of 92. The 12th century Archbishop and celebrity Thomas Beckett, who was assassinated but wasn't Prime Minister. The 1977 Wimbledon champion Virginia Wade, who is 0 for 2 on being either Prime Minister or assassinated, <laughs> for which we should be eternally grateful on both counts. I have nothing against her politically. I'm just happy with her as a tennis pundit. Uh, also, if you exclude John F. Kennedy, who was American and not Prime Minister, but could have uh-huh. been if America hadn't uh, f***ed us over in the late 18th century. Good point. And uh, champion the Wonder Horse, the 1950s fictional horse. Um, who wasn't assassinated, <laughs> Prime Minister or a horse? Well... I mean, all those three. I think we'll let history be the judge on that. <laughs> but anyway, Percival was bumped off in the lobby of the House of Commons by lone gunman John Bellingham, uh, who was hacked off with the government and dealt with that hacked offness in a slightly silly way with hindsight. He'd, uh, the way he did it was he'd taken a friend to see a watercolour painting exhibition and then <laughs> casually remarked he had some business to attend to, went to Parliament and shot the Prime Minister. <laughs> That's a nice bit of classic British understatement, isn't it? Um, <laughs> excuse me, I, just awfully, I, I have a little bit of business to attend to. Um, he died in the House of Commons, presumably to jeers from opposition MPs about how he had broken a manifesto promise not to be shot dead, uh, whilst his press secretary hastily issued a press briefing trying to spin the story as Percival showing how in touch with ordinary people he was just by, like ordinary people would, dying. And an inquest was held the following day. And can you guess where it was held, John? I don't know, Andy. Where was it? It was held in the Cats and Bagpipes pub on the corner of yes. Downing Street. <laughs> Naturally. Some say it was in the Rose and Crown pub. Either way, it was in a pub, or more likely, in two pubs. <laughs> <laughs> right, before we get down to business, uh, pint. Yep, pint. <laughs> Only a half of you driving? Go on, have a pint. As long as your horse doesn't drink, it'll be fine. Pint, Bloody Mary, too soon, Jeffrey. Pint, pint, pint. Right. Okay, I'll get some crisps. I'll get four packets. We can share them. Okay. Okay, now let's get to business. Three hours later, who's around, is it? I might as well get a couple of whiskey chasers too. Okay, so how do we reckon the bastard died? Shot? Yeah, I reckon he was shot. Yeah. Uh, anyone think he got septicemia from a rusty bullet? No, he was shot. Right, that now case closed. Let's see these off and head down the Rose and Crown for a couple more. And the Golden Typhoid for a quick boogie. I'll tell you what, <laughs> that Jane Austen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So this is uh, the Beagle for the Week beginning Monday the 7th of May uh, 2012, 25 years to the day since uh, 1987, uh, the day that Margaret Thatcher secretly gave birth to Lady Gaga and named her magic new child after herself, then shipped her off to America to be raised by the Reagans. (laughs) Also, 60 years since the Queen in the early days of her reign said, look everyone, I'm levitating, I knew I was magic, now I'm Queen, (laughs) before the then Prime Minister Winston Churchill said... You're not levitating, Mum. You're bouncing up and down on my tummy. That's not the same. To which the Queen replied, Shut up, Mr Trampoline, I'm having fun. Uh, As always, a section of the Bugle is going straight in the bin. This week, part one of a new Safety in the Kitchen Do's and Don'ts audio series. And part one is a don't. Did I turn this on? Ah! 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 That's a don't, Andy, right? That is a don't. That is a That's a don't. don't, okay. I was just worried you were suggesting that was a kitchen do at some point there. <laughs> That's a kitchen don't. Shot to the heart, <laughs> and you're to blame. You give love. What, Andy? <laughs> 
What does Bon Jovi give love? Uh, a, 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 bad a, bad a bad name. A bad name. I was also accused of giving my son a bad name. <laughs> now, you're right in saying that Britain and America are not particularly good when it comes to gender equality in politics. Uh, the UK has the 49th equal highest proportion of women in the lower house of parliament, level with Eritrea and Uzbekistan, whilst oh, America shit. is oh, 71st equal. <laughs> That's level with wow. Turkmenistan and 1% ahead of North Korea. So Holy shit! Is that true? <laughs> yeah. So things are not going quite as well as they could have been in terms of wow. Mrs. Pankhurst not getting increasingly stroppy in her grave. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying all women should be MPs, John. But what I am saying is that 30% of all male MPs and male representatives in whatever America calls its lower house should be randomly <laughs> selected for sex change operations. <laughs> I think that would also weed out those who weren't fully committed to their political beliefs rather than personal aggrandizement. <laughs> but that's, that's not the point when it comes to Egypt. The point is that the promise of a new free Egypt post-revolution does not seem to be getting extended to women, despite the role that they played in the revolution itself. Even at the height of the protest in Tahrir Square last year, when women bravely bucked the conventions of society and turned up to join the demonstrations, some men yelled at them, go back home and feed your babies, to which the natural human response is, off and don't be such an <laughs> asshole. But sadly, in some societies, women aren't allowed the joys of using such elegantly crafted comebacks as those. <laughs> in the new Egyptian parliament, there are only nine women MPs out of some 508 seats. That sounds pretty bad, but it sounds even worse when you find out that under Mubarak, there was a legal quota of at least 64 women MPs, or 12% of Parliament. You really don't want to be less good at something than a man who was just hounded from office and is on trial for human rights abuses. That just does not look good. Hack attack update now! And, well, sad, sad news about our old employer, Andy, News International, which has been a paragon of virtue and journalistic ethics up until the actions of just a few thousand bad apples <laughs> spoiled it all for the two or three good apples that work there. The, uh, the phone hacking scandal has claimed another victim as James Murdoch has stepped down as executive chairman of News International, uh, the UK newspaper business that owns The Sun and The Times. Uh, James Murdoch, who coincidentally... He's actually related by blood to Rupert Murdoch. In fact, I believe he's actually his son, although it's got absolutely nothing to do with him <laughs> getting any of the jobs he's had in News International. Said, I deeply appreciate the dedication of my many talented colleagues at News International who work tirelessly to inform the public. Ooh, I'm sorry, inform the public? <laughs> Did does James Murdoch know what the word inform means, Andy? <laughs> Someone should tell him quickly, because I'm pretty sure he'll want to quickly issue a retraction. <laughs> Demoralise the public? Certainly. Poison the public? Metaphorically. <laughs> Mislead the public? Occasionally. Make the world a slightly worse place for the public? Always, Andy. Always. That's the News International guarantee. <laughs> Do you know what? It's not as much fun doing this now that we're allowed to. It's not the same. It's, it's not. It's just, it was more fun yeah. saying this before we were fired. There's not the same <laughs> thrill anymore. In fact, I, I feel like I'm chasing the kind of adrenaline rush that we got. And I could only do that if I start insulting SoundCloud. But, you know, they, 
they haven't illegally tapped anyone's phones. Yes. Yet. Yet, Andy. What are you up to, SoundCloud? <laughs> Playing the long game. I'm watching you, SoundCloud. And thank you for your support. But I warn you, SoundCloud. News International supported us for years, and now they're in court. I fully expect you to lawyer up by 2015, SoundCloud. I'm watching you, SoundCloud. Is this on? <laughs> Uh, Rupert Murdoch uh, last weekend launched the new Sun on Sunday, uh, the newspaper filling the hole that had been left by the defunct News of the World in terms of something pretty shit to read on a Sunday if you've got nothing else to do. <laughs> and um, uh, yes, he said uh, that he did praise the, the Sun for always infor- uh, uncovering stories to inform and protect the public. He sent an email to Sun staff saying this. Uh, inform and protect the public. I think he seems to be mixing up stories with breasts. And I don't know what he's protecting the public from, John. I imagine he's protecting them from not seeing enough breasts. And <laughs> I mean, he's a hero in that regard. Uh, he also said in the email, we will obey the law. Illegal activities simply cannot and will not be tolerated at any of our publications. Our board of directors, our management team and I take these issues very seriously. And unfortunately, at the end of that, he omitted the word now. Top story this week, election roundup. And I mean election roundup in the literal sense, because much of the election roundup news this week involves world leaders literally rounding up opposition <laughs> activists before the election takes place and bundling them into a back of a van. <laughs> I don't know how you chose to celebrate, Andy. I know that yep. many people here in America chose to head down to SeaWorld in Florida to see a recreation of the daring operation by their incredible SEAL Team 6. <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's basically six seals in night vision goggles, Andy, with plastic machine guns, storming an inflatable version of the Abadabad compound that's floating in the middle of their pool. <laughs> and uh, they use their guns to shoot sucker darts at another seal wearing a long beard. It's incredible. <laughs> they are the best there is. <laughs> Further details uh, have emerged of exactly the, the circumstances Bin Laden was, uh, was living in, which is not really you know, what you expect from a, an A-lister as he liked mm-hmm. to think of himself. Um, as we reported on the, the Bugle last year, also, I mean, not only the one-year anniversary of the death of Bin Laden, John, but also the one-year anniversary of the uh, first use of the yeah. term f*** eulogy. That's right. I think it's been com- with us for a year. <laughs> a whole year has so been in our mouths. Something that needs to be commemorated. <laughs> um, yeah, so they're, they're in the compound, and they found $450 cash sewn into his clothes, mm-hmm. which, I don't know, maybe just like having George Washington's face oddly close to his skin to keep himself angry <laughs> yes. about America. But that's an oddly specific sum, John. Because mm-hmm. I've, I've been on the internet and there are only three things you can buy that add up to $450. Uh-huh. Wow. He was saving up for a Nintendo Wii, yeah. a, a George Foreman grill, and a porcelain Chris Akabusi. <laughs> what atrocity was he planning with that lot? Oh, God, that is a, that is a fearsome list of ingredients. <laughs> and um, they found two buffaloes. Well, you know... Fair play. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves jousting. <laughs> they found one cow, because there are two things we know Bin Laden loved. One, pantomimes, and two, realism. <laughs> and I, th- I think we reported last year, they found 150 chickens. And I've been thinking about yes. this almost non-stop since then, John, and I think there's only two possible explanations for this. One is that Bin Laden knew he was finished. He knew he was a busted flush. The only way he could make himself feel relevant and powerful anymore was by, on the hour, every hour, getting six freshly laid eggs and crushing them in his bare hand, <laughs> saying to himself, you've still got it, Aussie. You've still got it. <laughs> That's what he was reducing. The only other explanation, I don't know how to break this to you, 
is that mm-hmm. Osama bin Laden was holding a chicken fighting competition. Oh, no. Now, he, w- he wouldn't do that. Well, I've done the maths he on this, John. I think with 150 chickens, it was most likely a seven-round knockout, <laughs> Wimbledon style. Now, that, that, of course, would require 128 chickens. Uh-huh. But he probably thought there'd be some fatalities amongst the victorious chickens, so he had 22 backup chickens to parachute into the draw. Smart. In the event of one of the winning chickens dying. But, but, the, but the problem with this, John, is that you could, you could end up with one of the chickens winning the whole competition, only fighting in the final. Right. You know, if the winning semi-finalist died, and that, I mean, that's well, that's just obviously unfair. Yeah, that's but, flawed, Andy. But I, I guess I guess he wasn't really a fair man. <laughs> well. you, you know that that probably didn't even occur to him, mm. and that shows you what kind of monster we were dealing with. <laughs> But not only have they found uh, his last words, but also the US government this week has released a computer simulation of Bin Laden's final thoughts as Mm. a conscious human being. And we at The Bugle have got exclusive access to this exclusive coverage of Bin Laden's final conscious thoughts. Oh well, Osama, the game is up. I, the self-styled rowdy Saudi, the Torah Bora Lord Ignorer, I'm done for. Slice me into soldiers and dip me in an egg. I am toast. Just a few moments to assess what I've done with my life. There are so many things I haven't done I really wanted to do. I never quite fully got around to destroying America and all it stands for. Oh no, that was career goal A, I haven't even come close. Maybe with hindsight I could have gone about it differently. The whole acts of mass violence perpetrated on the innocent stick didn't really catch Western public imagination. Still, if I've learned one thing from that, it is never trust a focus group. <laughs> or at least, never trust a focus group made up entirely of Islamic fundamentalist terrorists. Live and learn. Maybe we should have tried to convert people door-to-door, Jehovah's Witness style. Hello, have you ever thought about indiscriminate slaughter, institutionalized misogyny, and destruction of civilization as we know it? Okay, I see you're busy right now. Should I come back next week? There's no need to slam that door in my face. <laughs> ah, hindsight, schmindsight. Never got around to wiping Israel off the face of the globe either. Never fulfilled my lifetime ambition of breaking the 755-mile-an-hour barrier on a unicycle. <laughs> I guess when I look back at things, I have to say... I've never been very good at setting achievable goals. <laughs> oh, well, that's the 21st century for you, I guess. So hard to make time for your career these days, particularly when you've got a wife and kids, and even more particularly when you've got six wives and 22 kids like I have. <laughs> silly, silly Aussie. I shouldn't have burdened myself with such a big family if I wanted to be so focused on my own career. How was I supposed to destroy the West, Israel, and capitalism if every other f***ing weekend birthday party... <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's genetics. And like my dad, 22 wives, 57 children. An indecisive man, but a randy one. Maybe I've been in the terrorism game too long. Should have moved jobs. I could do loads of other stuff. Sure, I'm getting on a bit, but I have, I have proven organizational and communication skills. People might quibble with what I've organized and communicated, but still, a good employer should look beyond that. Ah, my lifestyle has felt so restricted recently. My life insurance premiums are absolutely f***ing ridiculous. <laughs> They're cooking their triggers. Man, I could really do with some quality me time right now. <laughs> there must be a way out of this. Think, Ozzy, think. Ah, oh, shit, these aren't real wings. I'm never buying anything off eBay again. <laughs> right, come on, Osama. At least go down with some unforgettable last words. 
Death to the South. No, just kidding, me West. <laughs> oh, you guys. <laughs> no, I want something people are going to remember for eternity. To look back on in centuries to come and say, what an unbelievable thing for a man to say as he departed this world. Something like... There was an old man from Nantucket who dangled his balls in a bucket. No, 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 that's not really me, is it? I got it. Don't shoot me, I'm allergic to lead. If you shoot me, it's health and safety violation. Oh, it might work. Right, good and defiant Osama. Looking at where they're aiming, this is going to be, at best, a career-ending eye injury. Clear your head now. One final thought. Oh, oh dear. No, no, I cannot die with this in my head. I can't die with this tune in my head. I, Osama Bin Laden, the baddest bastard in the world, can't die with this tune going around my head. Why now? i got to stop watching kids' TV. And then good comes out of this. It's that. Bloody Western infidels. Think of some. Think of another tune. Think of, think of any other tune. Think of something else. Oh, yeah. I can die to this. No, no, I don't really like moving it that much. No, no, no. No, something else, something else. Oh, that's completely inappropriate. No, no, no. Grudging respect, but uh, no, 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 no. Oh, that's even worse. No, I'll take Fifi in the flower tops. I'll take Fifi in the flower tops. Okay, that, that will have to do. Okay, I, I'll reconcile myself with that. Okay, one final conscious thought before meeting my presumably quite unimpressed maker. Oh, Pepper. Oh, Pepper. Wannabe wife number seven. Oh, what way you're firing that? What way you're firing that thing? My house. Oh, not a squeaky duck. Have you no compassion? I'm gonna miss you too, squeaky. What are you doing here? What, Andy? For a start, this this is for you. For me, what John. What a scoop! For me, what a scoop! Congratulate no. the Pentagon. They're the ones that got it. <laughs> this email comes in from the wonderfully named Gorash Koss, who writes, "Dear J A N C, in order of how likely you are to become exiled from China." Well, that's that's up in the air, that isn't it? Up in the air. As long as I can remember, I've been proud of my surname, Kos, which in my native Slovenian language means blackbird. The surname is also shared by such remarkable things as the US corporation Kos Pharmaceuticals, characters in the Game of Thrones, and Norwegian Olympic medalists. A few years ago, when I still had a noteworthy job and was visiting Iran on business for the first time, a gracious business partner had informed me, just before I was about to make a public presentation, that my last name, Kos, means in colloquial Farsi. Whoa! Startled, I had to quickly alter my presentation, so at no point mentioned my full name, and had made sure, no matter how formal the occasion had been, that I mentioned only my first name. So now, condemned to uh, only a one-word name in Iran, I share the same fate as Madonna and Prince, where a higher power has made sure that we will never again make public appearances in that country again. Yours truly, <laughs> Goraj Kos. Is that why Madonna and Prince only have one name? Yeah. Because their surnames are like and f- yeah. <laughs> Wow, you're you're making your own bleeping work now, Chris. You're doing it to yourself. Andy, if Solon, Plato, Pericles, and Aristotle were to be transported to Greece now, they would feel like parents returning home early from vacation to see that their house has been trashed by a party their teenagers had that got out of hand. What? 
happened here? We, we were only away for 2,000 years. What the f*** have you done to this place? Wait, who are those morons with swastikas? Please tell me this is a joke. Please tell me that you didn't use democracy to actually give these pricks any power. What the f*** is wrong with you? And... Holy shit, what happened to the Parthenon? <laughs> you trashed it! How do you not take care of a building like that? And why aren't any of you wrestling? And why isn't everyone naked? What the f*** has happened to this country? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Calm down. This is still the most powerful country in the world, right? <laughs> what do you mean, no? Who is then? What the f*** is America? <laughs> okay, 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 okay. But the name Greece is still synonymous with the greatest minds in human history, correct? <laughs> Please tell me that you haven't even trashed the greatness of our reputation. We're still the philosopher kings, right? What are you looking at your feet for? <laughs> Look me in the eye and tell me what Greece is most famous for. I beg your pardon? <laughs> what the f*** is a moussaka? <laughs> <laughs> It's almost like you did a classics degree like I did, John. (laughs) Bit of fun. Yep. Bit of fun. I'm I'm so sorry, Pericles. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now. <laughs>